He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We're promoting a knowledge that is engaging, transforming. We're wanting to empower you, the listener, to be knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And it, as always, as every way, every day we start this broadcast, every time we start this broadcast out, we want to invite you to join us in this illuminating journey. And you can do so by calling in 347-237-5230. Uh, that's our number. You can get in live on the uh, – get your air, comments live on the air. Joining in the live chat room, blogtalkradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. Uh, Facebook, Zero Network. Uh, where else are we at? <laughs> Send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. However you choose to listen to us, we appreciate it. We're glad that you're joining in. Look, this is actually a re- we're, we're, this is attempt number two to do the show. <laughs> uh, yesterday, we experienced some major technical difficulties and we were unable to broadcast, but we are broadcasting again live and we're praying that God we're blessed to broadcast. Matter of fact, before we go any further, we're going to go into prayer. Is that okay? All right. Father, we just want to say thank you for the day. We praise you and we magnify you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for a second opportunity to do this broadcast. Pray that you will bless you, God. Let everything that's been said, will be said, be glorified to you. And we thank you in advance what you're going to say and what you're going to do. In Christ's name, amen. All right. I, I mean, I got to tell you. Technology is something. It it it, <laughs> it it it's it's good, <laughs> but it's crazy, man. And I I I didn't have a I didn't I didn't throw a fit yesterday. I just you know I was trying to broadcast and just the way things happen. So uh, I still had a full day yesterday, but I'm glad to be able to do the broadcast today. And those of you who are listening, if you're going to catch the archive broadcast, we appreciate you. Uh, for those of you who may usually join us. Um, we, we're glad that you're on the line, and uh, you can always join, you know, go back in. Yeah, all right. 
me let me go on. Because uh, I'm kind of thrown off. Because yesterday I was planning this big old thing, and, and you know, it's thrown off on my parade. It just rained on my parade, so we're going to go with this. What we intended to do yesterday, we're going to go and do it today. All right. Uh, since, since it is Groundhog Day. <laughs> It's Groundhog Day, and I don't. I I didn't listen to the news to see if the groundhog saw his his um shadow or not. But uh, hey, I, it, it it feels like spring, and I hope it stays this kind of weather. I can tolerate this kind of weather in winter. Yeah, and matter of fact, <laughs> uh, it, it you know across the country, it's just it's just weird. This time last year, the weather was. The exact opposite. Think about it. This time last year, there was snowstorms. People were. It was extremely cold. It was just. It was just crazy weather last year, and it lasted all the way into March. And you know, we had that horrible storm season that touched down in uh, Oklahoma. You know, but just the basic tornado belt: Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, and especially Alabama. You know. Uh, the terrible storm that they had there in Tuscaloosa and other areas. But now the sun is shining. It's like here in Jackson, it's like 60-something degrees. It's supposed to be 70. I, I mean, it's a beautiful day. It doesn't feel like February. And I, if the groundhog saw, saw his shadow, oh, well, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy today. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably, yeah, I, I'm crazy. Just ignore me sometimes, guys. Um, it's Black History Month, and um, yesterday we discovered, we learned of uh, the passing of one of the greats uh, in our history, legendary Don Cornelius, innovator, uh, broadcaster, just a phenomenal man, and um, he he brought he brought dance. Black black music and black dance to the world via Soul Train, and I don't know about you, but I used that. I used to literally, I couldn't wait to Saturday mornings to watch Soul Train, and they still had American Bandstand. This is what, it, this is how it went. This is a, this is a broadcast. You had American Bandstand that would come on like about ten o'clock in the morning. And you you know Dick Clark and his groupies you know and all all his folks they're dancing to all the pop and you know contemporary you know the white folk music <laughs> and then you had right after that you had Soul Train and that was I mean that was phenomenal I I, I can remember my my first my fir- first fond memory of Soul Train was watch watching Rick James. Rick James, I think I I couldn't have been more than uh, seven or eight uh, when my 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 aunts would actually let me watch. You know, we sneak and watch while they were watching because they'd be dancing and everything. <laughs> but yeah, you know, my first time actually just sitting down and watching. I think it was about seven or eight. I remember watching Earth Wind Earth Wind and Fire on there, and they performed Serpentine Fire. They uh, I I watched Michael Jackson performed on there and Janet Jackson oh I love Janet Jackson <laughs> boy I tell you I watched that show and I I I ain't gonna lie to you I don't have much rhythm I could do some things uh, but uh, you know imitating those and uh, 
I now on the Bounce Network. For those of you who get that Bounce Network, the New Black uh, Network, that's uh, that was uh, spearheaded by Martin Luther King the Third and uh, Andrew uh, Jackson. Uh, is that his name? <laughs> the ambassador who was former mayor of uh, Atlanta. If I got that wrong, y'all just forgive me. But they, you know, they came together. They put this. Uh, they they spearheaded this new black network uh, uh, called the Bounce Network, Bounce TV, Bounce Network, and I pick it up here. And one of the staples of that of that network, right off the top, were reruns of Soul Train. And I mean, it would be they they <laughs> all the way back from '71. Up until you know, when I don't know when the show was canceled. I guess up in the 2000s somewhere. I stopped watching uh, in the late 90s. But uh, uh, as long as that show was on, you know, Don Cornelius was a staple figure, and we can all—I I don't know anybody who is who is black or white who hadn't attempted to to dance down a Soul Train line. <laughs> so. It's just one of those things. It, it, it's it's amazing, you know. And uh, I, I'm glad to have had the opportunity to have participated in in in, in that experience. And y'all y'all know there's some great celebrities who kind of got their start uh, on Soul Train as a Soul Train dancer. And those kids from uh, Chicago and L.A. they they were innovative in their dance moves. And Soul Train was innovative in itself because, um, it, you know, it was it was it was diverse. It was diverse. The music was diverse. It played. It, it catered largely to the black community. But it, you know, he had David Bowie on there. He had Tower Power on there. Confunction. Yeah, all kinds of groups on there. And you know, that represented various genres of music. But the kids made the show, and Don Cornelius made it happen. So it, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I got a couple of clips I'm gonna share uh, concerning uh, Don Cornelius. Uh, actually, actually, I got some interview. I got an interview from one DMC that he got uh, that he did, and I, I think I got a couple of others. If I could pull them up. If we don't have any problems, I'll pull them up. If we're not, you know, if not, we'll we'll work with that. Um But let uh, uh Don Cornelius, man, it's it's sad. It's sad that he got uh from what's being reported, you know, he took his own life. We we don't advocate suicide. We 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 try to vent it. But that's a whole I'm I'll probably come back to that uh as I talk about black in two thousand twelve, uh and because of that. But you know that's a legend right there, and I'm gonna tell you one more thing I loved about Don Cornelius. The, the dude could dress. You know, I, I when I look at these reruns and I see how hip he was. You know, the fashion, the the big, you know, big knotted ties, the wide collars. He was hip to the age, and you know, and then when you hear how he talked and how he he uh, introed the songs, you know, he was a DJ, and so he took that DJ from. From the radio station, that experience, and brought it to television. And, I mean, it was hip. It was the hippest ride in America. So, uh, he would be missed. He definitely would be missed. Uh, Going to pray. Play. Blah, 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 pray. Go play. Uh, 
a clip I have here. Uh, Ron DMC interview that he he did back in eighty. 86, I think it was. Uh, so sit back and do this clip, and then I'll come back and make some commentary. Then we'll take a break. Gentlemen, that was amazing. Thank you. Please, take my words for it. Aren't they amazing? Yeah. Uh, you are? Run. Run, okay. DMC. My name's DMC and the place to be. Jam Master J. Who, who would like to tell us um, where this whole feel of wonderful uh, expression comes from? Well, it comes from the heart. Okay. Yes. And uh, how did uh, the three of you begin together? Well, run back around 1977, he was billed as the son of Curtis Blow. But that means he was spin for Curtis Blow as Curtis Blow rap. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt was spin for him and he would rap. And two two years ago, he came to me with an idea for a record called It's Like That. That was our first single, and that's how we got started. Smash record, too. Yes. All right, Ron, tell me about it. Here we how, are, cool. How, how did you and Curtis Blow get together? Oh, my brother Russell Simmons managed Curtis Blow, and I always watched, went to stay in the coat room because I was too young, and I just picked up. I liked to rap, and they told me I was good enough to tour with him when Christmas rapping first came out. And... That's how I got started. Runda, you you have an explanation for the phenomenal success uh, of uh, rapping as an art form? I don't know. I just feel it's a part of music, and it's funky, and everybody can dance to it. That's it. That's it. (laughs) That's it. it. Uh, The master here, right? Yes. Now, what is it that you do that's a little better than everybody else with two turntables? Hey. I don't know what to say. (laughs) All right, I'll take that. Run DMC. Oh, man, that took back some memories right there. (laughs) <laughs> that brought back that sent me way back down memory lane, you know. And um you know, this interview was happened as rap was uh not quite in the mainstream. It was still um it was still just New York, you know, East Coast kind of thing. Harlem, Queens, Bronx, Brooklyn, you know, that area. And that, that style was becoming Coming, uh, it was coming out full force. And think about it. Also, they had you know break dancing, and the kids were break dancing. They were pop locking. He had rerun back from the seventies, and you know he came up with the pop locking. Well, he wasn't an inventor, but you know that crew down in L.A. that you know they did that pop locking, and and then Michael Jackson was pop locking, and you know then people like us were trying to pop lock. <laughs> like me, <laughs> trying to pop lock. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was wonderful, it was a wonderful experience. You know, it wasn't trying to <laughs> dancing was simple then. Wow, it was so much simple. Kids, you know, I, when I watch these reruns of Soul Train, I see some of the moves they're doing. I'm like, yeah, I could do that, man. I could do that. But now, you know, all this stuff they're doing, the flipping, flopping, flooping, and whatever else they're doing, I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I'm I'm not as agile. I never really have been, but come on, man. <laughs> but back to the rap, you know, Matt, the rap was just coming in, you know, it was coming of age. And to hear names like Curtis Blow, Jam Master J, and, you know, all these, those 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 for those folks who paved the way for uh the current hip hop music and musicians and artists and some of them need to tap back into that history. But that's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, and you notice how he uh, again when I talk about how cool and how collect Don Cornelius was. How, see how smooth he interviewed that, um, and how easy he was uh, able to adjust. And, you know, I'm sure he was still kind of uncertain about this rap music, as most you know most record producers and executives were. It, it was you know. But he, you know, he entertained it, and the kids loved it. That's what it's all about. That was, that's what it was all about. And think about all of the many artists that got their, you know, not only were their careers uh, sent to a whole new level just from being on Soul Train, but they're part of a legacy of black music that is, you know, uh, that has a continuity, even from the spirituals. To the blues, jazz, to all of this stuff that's on the radio now, and, you know they they were part of that continuity, that narrative. It was a good thing. And the other thing I, I really appreciated about Don, uh, well, you know, like I know him personally, <laughs> uh, you know, he created the Soul Train Awards, and I, you got to think about how that has impacted both the secular. Both black music, secular black music, and gospel black music. I mean, the gospel artists are vying for those, you know, those awards, just like the secular artists. You know, and it's always had a sense of class. Uh, you know, the is is losing that. You know, when the older persons get out of out of the loop and is not as involved, it does lose that sense of grandeur and. Um, a pride that was presented initially, but again, I digress. Uh, I mean, I, I think it, I, I think that Mr. Cornelius' courage to approach television executives and pitch this show way back in '69, you know, was was phenomenal. There was, you know, the only thing they had was was Bandstand, American Bandstand, and the artists who got on that, you know, it was it was a challenge for them. It was prestigious. It was, and Don Cornelius, you know, he didn't hold back from saying that much of what he learned about this this new genre of uh, of dance shows, he he learned from Dick Clark, and he gives him credit for that. But it introduced young black kids to something other than the influences of the ghetto or wherever they were, and um, it empowers them to watch. Watch these these kids just let loose, and every week was a party. Every week was a party. You know what? I I always wanted to get on there just so I could do the scramble board. That's what I loved about that show, the scramble board. I, I couldn't. Yeah, you know, I ain't gonna lie. You know, I probably would embarrass myself trying to do down the Soul Train lane line of it. But uh, I I bet you I could have figured out that scramble that scramble board. It was yeah. Anybody could have done that, huh? <laughs> so. We want you to continue to pray for his family. Uh, I don't know if he had children, or but I know the dozens of, of kids who were on that show, you know, held him in high esteem, and you know, they're grieved, and 
uh, they're sad about it. Matter of fact, uh, I was reading all the tweets about Don Cornelius and the sad, and I, I tweeted something to someone. Uh, he was uh, one of the one of the top gospel producers. Sent out a tweet that it was sad that you know those of us who were spiritual didn't look after his condition. You know, and I tweeted. I said, "It's not that they were couldn't; they were too stunned by his celebrity. You know, they were more. It was the fact that he was a celebrity that overwhelmed them, and, and, and it's like that quite a bit. You know, we have we have the tendency." As, as believers to kind of freeze up sometimes when we get in front of celebrity. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's natural, but we, you know, we could have said it much just. We don't know what's going on. I'm not, and I, I've heard, I've read some people condemning him to hell already because of suicide. Man, we don't know that. I don't know what his soul condition was. I pray for his soul. I pray that he had a saving faith in Christ. But, it, you know, it's not our place to, de- you know, put him there. Just enjoy what he did, because most of y'all dance to his music anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 he's going to be missed. And uh, thank God that he would do that. So while we're closing out on this segment here, we want to say to everybody, especially to the late, great Mr. Don Cornelius, we wish you peace, love, and soul. <laughs> So we'll take this break and we'll be coming back Black 2012. Be right back after this. When BT made a commitment to the golf, we knew it would take time, but we were determined to see it through. Today, while our work continues, I want to update you on the progress. BP has set aside $20 billion to fund economic and environmental recovery. We're paying for all spill-related cleanup costs, and we've established a $500 million fund so independent scientists can study the Gulf's wildlife and environment for 10 years. Thousands of environmental samples from across the Gulf have been analyzed by independent labs under the direction of the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm glad to report all beaches and waters are open for everyone to enjoy. And the economy is showing progress, with many areas on the Gulf Coast having their best tourism seasons in years. I was born here. I'm still here, and so is BP. We're committed to the Gulf for everyone who loves it and everyone who calls it home. You know why TVs are so easy to peel? So kids can peel them. Kids love cuties because cuties are made for kids.
a price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh. Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. My friend, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Why do the same old thing for your someone special this year? How about thinking outside the box and sending them an edible creation incredible edible creations? They can create something unique just for you, from fruit creations to flowers and, of course, chocolates. They have baskets available and can ship anywhere in the country. So you need to think outside the box and give them a call at 903-445-5318. That's 903-445-5318. Incredible Edible Creations. Visit their Facebook page and hit the like button. That's Incredible Edible Creations. All right, welcome back. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I just had a little, 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 little I cannot talk. Just had a, <laughs> had a little fun this uh, earlier in the broadcast, uh, first segment, as we gave a little tribute to uh, the late, great Don Cornelius, innovator, creator, and he's going to be greatly missed. Soul Train will live on because all of us going to do a Soul Train line at somebody's wedding, somebody party. <laughs> anyway, but so, again, we actually continue to lift him up, his family and everyone else in, in prayer. Uh, so this segment, we're talking about being black in 2012. And... Um, I, I I tell you, you know, what what I had prepared, I I tell you, I was I I was so ready yesterday. <laughs> so I'm gonna try to see if I can reconnect and, and get back in that energy, get back in that 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 groove I had yesterday that I wanted to talk about. But uh, black in 2012, still an issue, you know? Are we different? Are we the same? What is it like? That's the question I'm asking. Uh, uh, blah 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 blah. Let me. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's different about being? Well, what's different about us being black in 2012 right now? Uh, the Republican candidates, uh, Newt Gingrich, Rick Santorum, and um, um, at that time Michelle Bachman made some comments and did some things. Said this said some things that uh that came across as being offensive to black people. Uh, and and they seemed kind of and that they seem they seemed uh they seemed insensitive. Matter of factly, there's a Republican ad that's running right now <laughs> that depicts a slave ship. And I uh, I forgot what the link is. And I I watched it. And I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me. 
and as a Republican, it, it kind of made me feel bad. I'm like, guys, y'all are really sending the wrong message here. You got black people on there, you know, <laughs> appearing like we're part of the, you know, not we're not slaves, but uh, I don't know what to say sometimes. But but what has changed about, uh, particularly uh, since we've been under the administration of President Obama, has the condition for blacks improved? Are we better off in the last three years? Is racism still hanging around? Uh, um, uh, think about all this kind of stuff that's going on. And, and I, I hate I hate using racism because. Anything somebody says that sounds halfway off the rocker is going to be called racist. You know, it's going to be a racist statement. Uh, if you say black people eat more Popeye's chicken or church's chicken, well, we black folks know that we do. <laughs> Especially churches and Popeye. You know, you go to any church program and they if they have something afterwards, nine times out of ten, it's going to come from churches. Popeye, KFC, it's going to be fried chicken. You ain't going to find no steak there. <laughs> it's going to be fried chicken, and we preachers, we're going to get the most of it, <laughs> the best pieces. But if a white person says that, it's going they're going to be called racist and insensitive. Yeah, I, I think that's just ridiculous. Now, there are plenty of, there are plenty of things that, you know, some people say that I was just, you know, right off racist, but. But uh, you know, you also it's it's also bad. Can black can black people critique their own president? You know, we had a a, a wonderful time as a black race condemning Bush, especially after Katrina. I mean, we condemned him left and right. Think about it. He was so evil. He was just. After you know, how could he let those people suffer like that? Uh, he he didn't wait. You know, he didn't take enough time. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't act in, in enough time to save those people and all that stuff. And and Kanye West, yeah, y'all know what Kanye West said. Kanye West said George Bush was racist. <laughs> no, he said George Bush hates black people. Yeah, he doesn't care about black people. That's what he said at that at, at a concert that was supposed to be uh, a, a fundraiser for Katrina Relief. You know, he just voiced his opinion on that. And I think they've since they've since uh, reconciled. <laughs> but think about it in our condition. I, if you are honest with yourself, if you are honest about what's going on, I think we become more racially divided under President Obama because of the sensitivity. You know, anytime any white person says anything negative about him critiquing uh, either his policies, uh, you know, they, they they critiquing a man for playing too many rounds of golf. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. So that comes across as racist. But uh, let me tell you what, let me read this comment by Emmanuel Cleaver. Uh, he's, a, he's a congressman from uh, Missouri. And I think he's the chairman of the National Black Caucus of the Congress. But look what he says. This is this is what he says about the condition of black people and our president, how he's, um, you know, he's responding to it. He says this. If we had anybody else in the White House with this level of unemployment, 
that you know you will see a lot more African Americans, African American organizations, retro organizations speaking out and against him. But because he is revered, uh, that, he's talking about Obama here. Because he's revered, you know he gets uh, he gets I guess the benefit of you know understanding that the situation was terrible when he came in. So we're not doing that. Now let let's put his. His comments in, in context and, and expound on that just a little bit more. Now, he, he, he's telling the truth. And I, like I just made the comment about Bush, if we had a white president, even if it was a white female president, uh, we would be more outspoken regarding the conditions of black America than we are right now. As for those of you who don't know the condition of black America, let me throw out some statistics to you. Uh, right now, a black America, uh, you know, unemployment, because that's what Cleaver talked about, dealt with the level of unemployment for black America is higher than the national level. You know, uh, the national level is just over 9%. And we did get to 12% at one time, 10, 12% somewhere. We got that uh, that high shortly after Obama was uh, Obama was uh, inaugurated into office. But here we are, three years later, and when before it was 12.6%. That's what that's what uh, the employment rate for blacks was 12.6%. Here we are, three years later, three years later, and we're at 15.8%. It's depression level. It's depression level numbers for us as a people, and, and you know you're, we're complaining. We're complaining that we're not getting the jobs, uh, and 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 think about our children. The teenage uh, black employment for teenage black teenagers is either higher. It's nearly forty. It's over forty percent. I think it's like forty one, forty two percent, give or take. You know that's black teenagers. We have we have that. That high unemployment rate, and yeah, we already know we our culture has has kind of been dependent on on, on food stamps. Now we don't we don't have the highest rate of people on dependent on food stamps. Despite despite the rhetoric some uh, some conservatives are putting out there and making it seem like yes, more Americans are on food stamps now uh, since Obama has been in office than before. But you know there uh, are multiplicity of factors contributing to that, so we can't just can't just fully ascribe that to uh, his administration. But for us uh, now, at about I, I think sort of the past year or so, we've been uh, we've we've accounted for at least twenty twenty five percent of those who receive food stamps, and that's you know I, uh, it, it's a sad thing to say, but again. You know, we're looking at the economy. It's not recovering in the areas where it is really needed. Think about Detroit. Detroit is making a comeback. Detroit is making a comeback. The school system is improving. You know, it, it, they had to do a, a, a whole bunch of cutbacks. I mean, it was terrible. They were right. You know, they weren't rioting, but they were really upset about the conditions of the classroom, and then even more upset, we realized that they were going to have to cut uh, funding, some funding, to uh, to make this thing right. And since they've done that, since they since they've done that, the schools in Detroit has really improved. And as 
You know, we bailed out uh, the, some of the car, car companies there, and they have improved, and they are balancing it out. They're paying back the the American people. So, the, you know, that city is seeing a, a comeback. They're seeing they're seeing a, a, a change, and it's it's moving slow, but it's happening. But there's still high unemployment. Uh, there's still areas, especially in uh, the South where I am. I mean, it's really bad. Uh, the unemployment here, or the short employment, short-term employment. I wouldn't necessarily say it's unemployment. It's just short-term, uh, temporary jobs. It's really hurting black people here. And so the economic condition for us hasn't really improved. It's not a not it's not a shot against the president. That's just presenting the reality of what's going on. I'm gonna take a quick break and we're gonna talk about a couple of other things uh regarding black people and some things that's going on. So I'll be back right after this. You know that comes with a private island. Really? No, it comes with a hat. The airline credit cards promise flights for 25,000 miles, but... There's never any seat for 25,000 miles. Frustrating, isn't it? But that won't happen with the Capital One Venture Card. You can book any airline, anytime. Hey, I just said that. After all, isn't traveling hard enough? To get the flight you want, sign up for a Venture Card at CapitalOne.com. What's in your wallet? This was the Gulf's best tourism season in years. All because so many people wanted to visit us in Louisiana. They came to see us in Florida. Nice try. They came to hang out with us in Alabama. Once folks heard Mississippi had the welcome sign-off, they couldn't wait to get here. This year was great, but next year is going to be even better. And anyone who knows the Gulf knows that winter is prime time fun time. Sun's out. The water's beautiful. You can go deep sea fishing for amberjack, grouper, and mackerel. Our golf courses are open. Our bed and breakfast have special rates. And migrating waterfowl from all over make this a bird watcher's paradise. So if you missed it earlier this year, come on down. If you've already been here, come on back to Mississippi, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama. The Gulf's America's getaway spot, no matter where you go. So come on down and help make 2012 an even better year for tourism on the Gulf. Brought to you by BP and all of us who call the Gulf home. at Jackson Hewitt and just found out how much he'll be getting back this year. Boy, is he happy there in the neighborhood. Want to feel as excited as Steve at tax time? Jackson Hewitt's How You Do It. No one gets your money faster. We have refund anticipation loans and you can pay nothing out of pocket. data you use in a month. Email, status updates, finding your way, uploading photos, downloading an app, an app, and another app. Kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes, all stacking up until you reach your limit. And what happens if you go over? With Sprint, you don't have to worry. Only Sprint offers truly unlimited data. How much money do you need to make each month? 
That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen, who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. IncomeAtHome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Enjoyed you guys coming and listening to it. I always enjoy it. I I, I know I caught a lot of people off guard because this isn't a regular broadcasting day. So make sure that you listen to the archive show. Give your feedback on uh, Zero Network on Facebook. Send us an email at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on our Twitter at Prophesy. We want to hear from you about everything that we do. We want to make the show great, uh, better than what it is now. And, and you know, we're still learning. And your help, uh, you know, your listening helps. Your comments help. Everything you do helps us make the show a better, great, uh, great show for you, the listener. So we love to hear from you, and we really would love for you to call in and give your comments. Anytime we have a show, we always invite you to do so by calling three four seven. Two three seven five two three zero, and uh, joining in on the chat line on blogtalkradio.com. We're trying to expand as much as we can, and uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up. And I don't want to jump ahead, but I, I'll talk a little bit about more, a little bit more about that uh, toward the end of the broadcast. So we're talking being black in 2012. What does it mean to be black in 2012? Has our condition improved uh, the last three years under the administration of President Obama? Uh, is racism racism still alive and well, and you know all the stuff that's associated with that, and you know, excuse me, I take a sip of water there. Uh, I I I think about all the stuff that's been going on, and especially with black men. Think about last year as Herman Cain was running for president. Uh, the first and the most aggressive attacks came against this black man. It came against him not only from the whites in his party. You know, that's expected. Even as a Republican, you know, I keep my one eye open and one eye closed when it comes to, you know, <laughs> well, actually both eyes open. <laughs> uh, but the greatest attacks didn't come from from white people outside in the liberal democratic party or you know white people inside the republican party the greater attacks came from us 
came from his own people, blacks who were calling him, you know, Uncle Tom, calling him bougie, calling him everything, but in respecting him as a candidate. And then you flip and you see what happened uh, four years ago as President Obama was, was running, and he was almost revered, revered as a messiah figure. I mean, he, nobody investigated him. Nobody you know, brought up any allegations or anything. Well, I mean, they didn't throw any kind of mud at him except for Hillary. You know, he and Hillary were going at it for months up until he won the Democratic Party's nomination. But she, you know, she was reluctant to take out all the big guns that she could have used if it had been a, a, a white person, a white male challenging her. I mean, she would have taken the gloves off. But, you know, <laughs> that that's it. And and here, because Herman Cain was Republican, conservative, and espoused views that uh, most blacks share, I, I have to say most blacks share uh, conservative views, social conservative, uh, fiscal conservative views. Most blacks share that. Yet they demonized him. And then when all these white women came out, talking about that he had harassed them sexually, and what led to his demise was the discovery of, of a 13-year affair with a white woman. You know, and, you know, he ended up, I, I, I'm glad that he bowed out disgracefully, uh, not disgracefully. And, you know, he still defends himself and his integrity, and I got to admire him for that. But think about the attack. You know, we talk about being black in 2012. Uh, does that mean that we can't have our own identity? What does it mean to be black? What do you mean? Uh, for example, I just read this article about a young boy, a little boy, uh, who who was beat, who was stabbed. He was stabbed because he was not black enough. I, I, you know, it, it's scary. The mother reported it to the principal, to the superintendent, to the State Department of Education, and nothing happened because, he, you know, he was black. It, you know, it was a small incident, and she's hoping to get some type of social uh, social justice done uh, through the legal system. But uh, think about how, demon, how, how bad that is when, you know, somebody says you're not black enough. And for those of us who ascribe to conservative views, we're always, uh, you know, not black enough. I, <laughs> I have to defi- defend myself quite a bit because people, are, you know, they assume that because you ascribe to conservative values, uh, you publicly express them, that you, uh, you know, you sold out or something. And what is what does black identity mean? What is the black narrative? Is the question I guess we should ask. Uh, and are there different variations of the black narrative that are, have been exploited by the media as black only? And there are another side to the black narrative that is being covered up because it does not exist the black as educated, intelligent, and you know, competent, capable. And you know, with with views that are outside of the plantation view, I, I yeah I said that the views that are outside the plantation view, and and you think about these persons like uh, you know what uh, your Herman Cain, your Timothy Johnson, who is the uh, uh, president, and Dean Nelson, who's chairman of the Frederick Douglass Foundation. You, you think about 
Alan West, congressman from Florida, J.C. Uh, Watts, former congressman from Oklahoma. And you think about these things. You think about think about uh, all. I, I'm calling these names. There's so many more, both on uh, the conservative side, Republican side, and on the Democrat liberal side. And you think about those who we have put in leadership, like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, who are constantly proving that they're self-serving and not fully servants of the people. But, uh, yeah, I know we could go on and on about that. Let, let, let's even talk about, you know, the movie Red Tail. I, mean, I, I, I love that movie. I, I went to see it. I had a wonderful time. It was an awesome movie, guys, and I encourage you all to go. But think about how hard George, uh, George Lucas said it took him 23 years to get that movie to the theaters, you know, to the big screen, and he had to fund it. He, the major, uh, major theaters wouldn't, you know, wouldn't back it, and then the major distributors wouldn't do it. So he had to do all of that. What does that say about Black America? You know, all black cast. What does that say? I mean, and, and those, you know, Terrence Hart, and Terrence Howard, and Cuba, Cuba Gooden Jr. did an awesome job. I mean, a wonderful job. A wonderful job in the movie. But what does that say about the value of the black dollar? Uh, what does that say about the value of black actors and actresses? And think about uh, Viola Davis. I think that's her name. She got an Emmy Nod. She got a, um, a SAG Award, Screen Actors Guild Award, uh, Golden Globe nomination. And I think she even got an Oscar nomination for her role in The Help. And now, if you've seen the movie The Help, you know she played a maid. It was a leading character, but it was a maid. It was a subservient role. So what does that say about blacks? You know, you know, think, and think about in the past 10 years, those actors and actresses who have won Oscars or major awards, uh, theater awards, well, not the Tonys, because they we have blacks winning Tonys, but blacks aren't tuned into Broadway. You know, if we if we knew that man, wow, it'd be something else. But uh, think about Halle Berry; she got an Oscar for being nasty in Monster Ball. Denzel Washington he got an, ask, an Oscar for acting a fool in uh, Training Day. You know, acting get you know mean and uh, bad character. Uh, think about Monique. Monique got an Oscar for being an abusive parent, portraying an abusive parent in Precious. What happened to those, you know, think about Sidney Poitier. He didn't get an Oscar for portraying a demeaning character. What does that say about us? I can go on and on about that. And I I don't even want to talk about the music because that's a whole different thing. Uh, the music industry, the way it exploits both the gospel music industry and the secular music industry, the way it exploits blacks, is just ridiculous. So, being black in 2012, is there anything different? No, I, I don't think so. I think you know the only thing different is we have more money and more positions, and and even then, uh, even in that, uh, we're still still scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, we we we've got a long way to go. I know some people don't like hearing that. Uh, and oh, 
Speaking of uh, speaking of that, think about the 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 negative attention that the black church is getting uh, with our ministers. Zachary Timms last year, um, Eddie Long, the year well, Eddie Long is still. <laughs> oh my God, Eddie Long is still making news. Uh, that's a whole different broadcast. We'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> oh God, but uh, the conditions have changed, but. The the our, our perceptions, uh, the perceptions that others have for us has not changed. So the question then goes: How do we, how do we change the black narrative? How do we, how do we adjust the black narrative to be inclusive of all the varieties of blackness in America? How do we, you know, how do we get the media to stop portraying us in a negative, negative sense, especially with black men? black men and and thanks to shows like Real Housewives and what other shows they are, you know, single ladies and um basketball wives, stuff like that, you know, portraying our women in a negative and in, in a negative in this sense. I, I think we I think our greater days are ahead if we could if we can start begin if we can think for ourselves, you know, be independent thinkers, independent actors, not be manipulated by a imagined imagery of blackness. Because you know, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think about when Obama was ru- was running in 2007. Jesse Jackson, you know, said he thinks he's white. You know, was when talking about Obama, saying Obama thought he was white, and that was that was that was sad. And then he he later reneged on that. But think about all the attacks because Obama wasn't black enough in 2007. But by 2008, when he was winning all these primaries against Hillary Clinton, not only was he black enough, but he became he became symbolic status equal to that of Dr. King. So now you know, <laughs> still have you see you see the portraits of him and Dr. King. You know, I, I've seen them. They they got them high fiving. They got them hugging it together. They got them sitting across from each other, thinking and you know, thinking positions. So that he he's become that symbolic image, just as uh, Dr. King has become a symbolic image. Uh, I, I say that with intent. I use those words. They are symbolic images. They you know we use those symbols, the symbol of Dr. King, to represent what we believe uh, black. Sh- should have had or could have or do have now because of what he done he had done, and we're doing the same thing with Obama, uh, you know, with 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 what he has done. Uh, we're trying to use that sim that that imagery and make him great, but he's not great yet. He hasn't done anything to be great. Yeah, he got Osama killed, but that's not great. The greatness is not defined by actions alone. Greatness is defined by who you are when you're going through all kinds of hell, and then that defines your character. So we're waiting to see him come to greatness, and if he's reelected, he may get an opportunity to do that. But we can't put him on a high pedestal as if he's already achieved that just because he's got elected. And you know, I'm not knocking him. For those of you gonna be saying that, I'm talking against him. Uh, not that's just a reality, you know. Come down off the clouds. Look, take a quick break and make final comments um, on the other side of this break. 
Again, well, just thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Be right back after this. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Why do the same old thing for your someone special this year? How about thinking outside the box and sending them an edible creation, incredible edible creations. They can create something unique just for you, from fruit creations to flowers and, of course, chocolate. They have baskets available and can ship anywhere in the country. So you need to think outside the box and give them a call at 903-445-5318. That's 903-445-5318. Incredible Edible Creations. Visit their Facebook page and hit the like button. That's Incredible Edible Creations. All right, welcome back to Zero of the Day. We're wrapping up the show. I want to thank everybody who's going to be listening in, has been listening in. Appreciate you. Again, if you miss any broadcasts, uh, you can always go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today, and you can catch any archive broadcast all the way back to June 2010, so we really appreciate that. Drop us a note. Let us know how we're doing. Send me an email, Neal at gmail.com. Go to the Facebook page, like it, listen to the show, like the show, subscribe to the updates. We want to uh, make sure that we are doing everything we can and follow us at Twitter, on Twitter, at Prophesy. Wrapping up with our thoughts again, uh, we want to pray for the family of Don Cornelius in this time of grief. We want to raise the awareness of suicide in black, uh, black males we, we that is getting too high and we need to address that, so I'm probably going to do a show to address that later on. And we want to encourage all of you to uh, celebrate Black History Month. Don't just wait till the last week to do something. Go back, study. Do you know? Do whatever you can. Learn about somebody new. Be innovative. Learn how to be innovative so you can create your own part of Black History. And as always, we want to say thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. And tune in next week. Next week we'll be talking. Uh, Romance and Love Addiction, got a great guest coming in, and she'll be helping us out understanding Romance Addiction, Love Addiction, since it is the month of love. Until then, we can invite you to come back.
Even on the flip side, past the rest of the first half. 